I don't know how I could, you know, go about painting and not look at what anybody else is doing. And I get really inspired by artists I like that I follow on Instagram. Um, and you do learn from looking. You might see somebody doing something that you like, and you, you've been thinking about trying something, and you go, oh, look at how they are doing it, you know? But it's also a fine line because you don't want to compare yourself too much. So there's always that, that uh, you know, comparison can be a beast because if you let it take over and you just see what, and, and you know, of course, on social media, people, post, you know, they post their best selves. And so you're seeing like a very glossy version of, of, of people so it can it can be a little tricky but you definitely look at what other people are doing and try to learn but I think also you develop your own style from just doing your own work so you keep in that trying to keep that balance between looking but then basically just doing 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 and then learning from what you're doing that's artist Mia Risberg and this is the Interesting Humans Podcast. Welcome. There are 350 million Americans. Social scientists tell us we know on average about 600 people. All around us are interesting humans. People who in their everyday lives create, play, solve, move, teach, and love. The Interesting Humans podcast is a deep dive into the mindset, the philosophy, and the achievements of the people around us who have fascinating narratives to share. Join me as I explore with people I've met the challenges they faced and overcome, how creativity drives them, and how ordinary people are not so ordinary. I'm Christian Ward, and this is the Interesting Humans podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to Interesting Humans. So we had a pretty big event called over the weekend. The U.S. presidential election was called on Saturday in favor of former Vice President Joe Biden. I don't know about you, but the sense of joy and relief was palpable in our home. It's as if a dark cloud had been lifted on our spirits. Now it's time for the transition to a new administration. I thought it would be pleasant, a pleasant break, to get away from politics. I don't know about you, but the past six or seven months have taken a toll on me psychologically. Today's guest is artist Mia Risberg. Born in Sweden, Mia came to the U.S. as a young adult. She attended Hunter College, where she received a B.A. in Fine Arts, and is currently in the B.F.A. program at New York City's Pratt Institute. My conversation with Mia is a deeper dive into the sources of creativity of a painter. Mia likes to experiment with different styles, formats, and mediums as a painter. She says it helps her to keep a fresh perspective when she translates works on a larger format to something smaller, like 6x6. Mia is a painter who also likes to investigate the nuances of her vision. She doesn't just do one painting and call it good. Mia says she likes to explore moments, glimpses, she calls them, 
in series of paintings. She is currently exploring a cache of photographs from her past and starting to paint from these. While she started out as an abstract painter, she says her work has turned figurative as she mines emotions from scenes and memories and retains some of that abstract approach. Mia talked about not only the creativity in painting, but also practical aspects, like what the hell do you do with works when finished? Framing canvases, wiring, packing, storing. When you work for yourself as a creative, you find yourself needing left brain and right brain skills. And Mia has a music playlist, she reveals, that she likes to have on while she paints. We discuss how working as a solo artist has been impacted by the coronavirus. She has some ideas about how the pandemic has affected the art world and what the future might hold. I see our conversation as a window into the world of a working creative, her focus, her challenges, her loves, and her concerns. I hope you enjoy meeting Mia Risberg. Let's get to it. This is actually kind of a momentous day. It's, it's, uh, it's great that we're getting together. Something really big happened today in the political arena, and I'm trying not to be a, a, uh, a political person, but uh, Joe Biden was, was uh, declared the winner of, of the election, and I know um, we kind of share a, a little bit of a political philosophy, but I, one of the things I'm curious about is when I was growing up um, in the 60s and 70s and even today, I mean, people like Banksy, artists were very political uh, a lot in a lot of ways. Do you and, and you have done actually some work uh, in those lines? You did a portrait of George Floyd. Um, yes, I did. I yeah, I, I generally don't tend to work uh, on political matters, but sometimes you know you just feel compelled, and you feel like you have to do something, or you might freeze up because of social political events and you just you feel like you can't do anything else but do something like that so so do you feel that it is it is appropriate for artists to take part in in political discussions in 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 our culture should they be a part of that oh yeah definitely i mean i think it's not for every artist i think it's really important to remember that we need all types of art you know, so it could be somebody paints flowers and that has a function. And then somebody does political work or uh, social justice, works on social justice themes. Um, someone else does portraiture. I think there's room for everybody. And I think we need the diversity because if everybody did political work, that would be that would be too much, you know, and you don't want everyone to do um, just pretty work. I mean, you just really need a little bit of everything. But I think that artists definitely have um, play an important part of it. I know a lot of people who who do that kind of work. And it's, you know, you, you're a part of society. So if that's how you feel you want to work, I think that you should be able to. And it's a good thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think there is artists often are able to capture the 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 feelings that people have about things in a very powerful image. I think, you know, you look at across social media and people, when people run across an artist's work that makes a statement they resonate with, you could, 
you can see how they repost it. And, and, you know, um, I mentioned Banksy, obviously one of the, the most political, uh, people around in that, but that that's interesting to, to hear. Um, how would you say, do you think, um, do you think it's changed at all with the way artists are involved in, in politically, because it, there could be a downside, right? I mean, people, it's such a charged environment right now. Yeah. And you do, I think that as an artist, or, I mean, I guess no matter what your line of work is, once you're taking a stance, right, you're kind of taking a little bit of a risk too, because you might side with a lot of people, but you might offend some people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think now I, it's hard not to take a stance. You know, I think it's, it, it's, yeah. it's hard to not, even if I don't do political work, work, I still post my views and I feel that, um, you know, it's okay. It's not, everybody's going to agree, but um, that's okay. I think there's that's there's a lot of diversity out there, but there's there's definitely with social media you can see quickly you know there's so much information out there so you can see what artists are doing and you can see who they're siding with and so the information is right there and if you want to find out it's just right there and and we're going to talk a, a little bit more about the you know the vein or the 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 catalyst for a little bit of your art but you're also a human being as you said. This is a this is a very prominent thing. If you feel something strongly, I mean, you know, you might be someone, as to your point, who who absolutely loves flowers. You love capturing the essence of a flower, and um, so that's some some work you do. But you're again, you're also a human, and you um, you feel something deeply. It's the way that that an artist expresses themselves. Yeah. 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 Um. How would, uh, and I have to confess to not being, you know, an expert in, in painting, but, but, um, tell us a little bit, how do you, do you fit into, does your work fit into a certain style? Would you say that your, your figurative narrative expressive, um, how how would you characterize your style? So. Yeah, that's a really good question. And actually, sometimes I still struggle with it, to be honest with you, because I like many different things and I go through phases. So a few years ago, I was doing very abstract work. And then I started doing more figurative work, which is where I'm now. And so I would call it um, figurative, but on an sort of an abstract end of figurative. So it's not, you know, it's not photorealism. It's not very realistic, but it's still recognizable for what it is. Um, And I, but I try to keep it, um, you know, somewhat loose and expressive and it has some narrative components to it too, depending on what it is that I'm doing. But I, I feel I'm always, you know, I gravitate towards a lot of different things. So I have different things that interest me and then therefore they can look different. Why, so why do you think you, has your style, you feel like your style has evolved or, or is it just, is it phases? Any artist goes through when they, when they start, they, they have a certain approach and then um, as they go on, maybe it changes. 
Yeah, it, it, it could be phases and it could also just be that I'm a kind of person that likes variety. But I think I was I was enjoying working purely abstractly. And then I felt very comfortable when I started doing some more recognizable elements. I felt like it was a little bit less of, you know, grasping for something in the dark. And um, so I just, I kind of changed my direction a bit at that time and started doing more figurative work. And now I've been doing that for a while and I really like it. So I'm just letting myself do it, you know. Uh, I imagine, and again, I apologize if, if this is a really novice question, but in terms of technique, does it require you that move from from abstract to more narrative? Does it require uh, a lot of different technique professionally? Does it stretch you artistically? Does it stretch you, or is it something that fits in very nicely with your, you know, technically with your your capabilities? Do you think? Um, well, I think that when you're working less abstractly, you or at least for me, I feel I need to look more at references from life or from photos because I'm trying to depict something. And it, if I wanted to have a certain, a certain aspect of it to be recognizable, I, I do need it to resemble something. So it, it needs more references, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and if I'm drawing a body, then... Again, it's it's a tough question because you don't have to make it very recognizable. Mm -hmm. So it depends on how it just has to be representative. Not, yeah. So it has to be there has to be something in it that when you look at it, Christian, you say, Oh, that's an arm mm -hmm. or that's a nose, you know? But there's a whole range, right? I'm um I'm taking a class now online with this artist and uh her name is Jennifer Pushinsky, and she she's leading a workshop and she does very abstracted figures, but they're beautiful. And, you know, the colors are different and the strokes are very expressive. So she just manages to capture a humans, but not put a lot of, there's not a lot of uh, realism in, in the bodies and the faces, but it still has that essence of a person. You, um, so that's interesting. I think, I don't know how recent it was, but you did, uh, I think, your own feet. You painted your feet or, or some, did I? somebody. <laughs> I don't and, remember. And I remember the caption under it had to do with something like, this is probably the last time I'll paint my feet or, or something like that. Oh, I, I don't remember yeah. that, but it's possible. But it was just, it was just, you know, from the ankle down and it was almost like a study of, of, yeah. of your feet at, focusing on a particular body part. Yeah. Do you, um, I also have noticed that you like to play with different formats, including some smaller format painting six by six. Tell us, mm -hmm. tell us where does that come from? So that really started, I, that had a very um, practical start to it, that whole series but actually, I really like painting big. That's my favorite um, format. It's just big, whether it's a rectangle or a square, generally a rectangle. But I, I, like, I like the large surfaces. But last, so about a year ago, 
um, when our old dog got sick and he, you know, he had to go through cancer treatment and he was very ill and he had to be watched a lot. I had, I didn't have much time and to make it to the studio. And so I wanted to do some, I still wanted to go in there and produce something. And so I followed this challenge, which I think another artist was doing online, which is to, um, I think she was doing something where she was painting limited, lim she was making little limited brushstroke paintings. So the challenge was, you know, do something in 30 strokes mm. and then it's done. And then, so you have this kind of uh, limitations and limitations can be very freeing because you're not overloaded with options. And so I started doing that and then eventually found that it was too hard to count and paint, you know, because you have to put your paintbrush mm -hmm. down and then do one stroke. Mm -hmm. And so I, I started with that and then I realized, no, I'm just want to stick to the essence of the exercise and do, do them quickly and on a small format so that I could complete one, you know, with a, even if I went in there and had a short amount of time to work, I could get something done. And I started dating them and, and keeping track of them. And then they evolved into the series, which I call the glimpses series, which is just there. So they're based on either my own photographs or family photos or um, magazine clippings, or even, you know, stills from a program I'm watching or something. So they're just reference images I'm using. And I, um, I just paint a segment of a person and I kind of think of them as a quick glimpse of someone, you know? So like if you meet someone and you see something out of the corner of your eye and you get an incomplete picture, but you have an impression, or if you see someone in the elevator for like two floors, you know? I, I, and so some, some things catch your attention. And I'm, I'm, I, I try to make a very um, diverse. So as, the, as this little collection was building, um, I, I try to make sure I was putting people of different ages, um, genders, races, and then they kind of grew and became this little community in my studio. I, I want to ask you about that, that whole concept about, um, about painting in series, but, but before we leave that, I want to ask you again about this, these different formats. What do you think as a, as a creative, as an artist, changing from for example the large format which you said you love to these smaller formats what does that do for an artist so i think there are different challenges so it's good it keeps you fresh you know because working large has its challenges and then working small has its challenges so i think by switching you kind of are um igniting something else you know, like a different challenge. And so it, I think it keeps things fresh and you might, they both might fulfill a different need. So if you've got it small, you know, you can complete it. You don't need to go back to it. If you're working large, it's more of a long-term process. And so they're fulfilling different um, or satisfying different needs. Does that answer your yeah, question <laughs> yeah do you um and and how do you do you just know when it's time to 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 try something new is there some voice in your head or do you do you notice it when you're doing a work that you're not as fully engaged what what how do you know that it's time to do to experiment or to move to a different format or try something new 
Um, well, the, the glimpses, so the little ones, you know, mm-hmm. this, the, they're really very small They're six by six and they're on paper and that's ongoing. So I'm, you know, I've been working on them off and on for the past year. And then the bigger pieces, it's not so much about, um, it really depends on what I'm painting. So now I'm consciously making larger versions of smaller paintings or larger adaptations. So I'm just going large. I think it, I think um, the decision is, is really influenced by what you're going to make at the time and what you have on hand. I mean, I have so many things stacking up too mm-hmm. in my, in my mm-hmm. space. I'm, I'm apparently taking over the house. <laughs> so you paint not just in a studio, but you have to store paintings. Do you paint and you just have a little studio, just a room in your home? I, I have a studio in the basement, which is where I am. And I'm supposed to keep everything <laughs> in there, but it slowly is worming its way out into the guest room, into the hallway, into the closets there, because it just, it takes up, there's a lot of stuff, sure. you know, there's unfinished paintings and then there's paintings in the works and then finished works. And, and then there's, you know, wrapping material and there's cardboard and, you know, so I'll have an oil painting and that needs to dry, but I don't want it to get dust. So I have to put it in a flat cardboard oh to rest. Yeah. So it just, you know, it's a very easy to kind of for it to mushroom and I could probably take over our whole house and, I still would need more space. That's, um, you know, that's interesting, Mia, because I don't always, you don't think about that. You think about this artist and, and just focused on their, their, their canvas. You don't think about all the other logistical things that, that go along yeah. with that. And, and to your point, I mean, even, uh, unfinished works or works that are taking time that you don't sit down, you know, and, and just knock something out, uh, in one sitting that it takes time. So didn't even think about yeah. that. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, if you're, so if I sell a work and I, I wire it, you know, I have a, an area where I'm like drilling, you know, putting the screws in signing. And then sometimes if you're framing something yourself, mm-hmm. you know, you want to make sure you're in a dust free mm-hmm. area. So that's also, so I usually go upstairs into the living room and do that there. <laughs> Um, you have to gesso, you know, to prepare wood. If I paint on wood panels, I have to gesso them. And, you know, that takes up space. I do that in my studio, but then, you know, I have to move them out if I'm painting. And so there's a lot of different things that, that take up space. And that isn't yeah. that, do you enjoy that part of it? It does it, it's some, cause it's almost left brain, right brain, right? That's, it's a yeah, completely different yeah. part. I, I actually love it because it's like my, um, you know, I think, I think sometimes when people think of artists, they think, oh, you know, you go in there and it's fun and like, you can't wait to go and it's all comes out of you. It just flows. It's great. And no problem, no stress. But even, you know, as an artist, like you think of it as work and sometimes you might be procrastinating from going to work. (laughs) You might not you know, you might have feel like, oh, I'd rather do the laundry or something. So you kind of have to be disciplined about doing it. But the thing about doing all that other stuff, the preparatory work, that's nice is it's, 
it's like a warm, it can be a warm up to mm -hmm. the painting. So it could be, you know, going down there, listening to a podcast or an audiobook, and you can just, you know, gesture your panels or do preparation stuff. And it kind of gets you in the studio and gets you going. It's almost like a, a, a musician going in and warming up before they, they perform. Yeah. 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 Let's so it's nice. And I, I can't listen to anything with words when I'm painting. I mean, oh. not with words. I can listen to music, but I can't listen to podcasts or audiobooks when I'm painting. So I do like the prep work sometimes. So do you, do you listen to music when you paint? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I always have music on, but I'm very um it's very it's very strange because I usually tend to listen to the same music at least while I'm working on some paintings. Are we talking So I might even Are we talking specific songs or types of music? Um specific songs. Like I'll have a playlist or I'll have an album that I listen to and then if I'm painting something I tend to go back to that album. Like sometimes I even write it like on the back of my painting, what I was listening to, but I, it's almost like this, I don't know. I don't want to say it's a superstition, but it gets, it kind of sets a tone for something. I can listen to the same, what I, I guess I can listen to the same thing over and over when I'm painting. It has to be a comfort zone that doesn't distract uh -huh. me, you know? <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense. No, it sense. does absolutely. So I have to ask, what do you like? What do you listen to? Oh, I so I'm really eclectic, um, and it depends again on the on what I'm working on. But I do have a, I have my I call it my spring 2020 uh, studio playlist, and it has a little bit of everything. But it's just a good mood of it's got a lot of indie indie tunes in it, but. Um, but, you know, I, I like a lot of different music. So it's just that's my my go to playlist right now that I listen to. Okay. And I have that on a kind of a loop. I, I got to pin you down, Mia. Give me a song or an artist that you like. All right. So, um, well, you know, I do. I do like. Um, it depends also on the weather, but like I can be if it's a gray day, you know, I can listen to Leonard Cohen and I'll be super happy. Uh -huh. But I also like some of the indie I'm going to pull up my playlist now so I can I can tell you what I have on there. But, you know, like my playlist starts with a Sarah Bareilles song mm -hmm. and then it goes to Lucius, the Civil War, Leon Bridges, um, some other ones, Ezra Furman, um, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And then it's Joan Baez mm -hmm. and then Billy Bragg. It, it really it's is eclectic. Yes. <laughs> and that that's how I am because I I really I I like a lot of different music, everything from opera to like hip hop, you know, it's just and it's it just depends on the right. Mood. It's mood based. Yeah. So you can you mm -hmm. can see I can see how that, that helps. I um I do quite a bit of writing and I find that um I can do instrumental music. Uh, and I can do I can do some songs with lyrics as long as it's familiar that it it's background. If it if it's yeah. a new song that is in my conscious, it, it almost interferes the words. I could see that I might be trying to come up with a phrase and the lyrics pop in 
through my fingers onto yes. the keyboard. Uh-oh. Yes. So that's exactly how it is for me. I think that's why, you know, I've created the studio playlist now and I've been listening to it for a long time because I like it, but it is familiar. It's like you were saying, mm -hmm. if if something comes in, it's it's a distraction, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it kind of draws you away. Do you, do you find it difficult to be focused when it's time to paint? Is, is that a moving target? Uh, not if I'm in there, not if I'm in my studio, once I get started, it's more that it can be difficult to make it to get mm -hmm. started. But once I'm started, then I don't have any problems. It's, I'm, I could be in there and forget to eat, you know, cause I get very absorbed into what I'm doing. It's more of getting started. I, um, That's I applaud that, that, uh, I think the term is psychical distance where that, that distance between the art and the individual is so become so narrow. You're so enveloped in the, mm. in the flow of the projects. Does that, is that something that you consciously seek or, or does your painting just draw you in to that? Um, that's a good question. I don't think it's intentional. I mean, I think it, it happens. Um, I always have to keep an eye on the clock anyway, but it, you know, it's easy to forget time. So I look and I think, oh, I'm just going to paint for 20 more minutes. And then I look later and I'm going, oh my God, yeah. it's an hour and yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. So it, but you know, with a family and kids and, you know, other obligations, you can't really let yourself lose track of time completely because there's always a, there's always a time where you have to stop. How do your kids feel about, about mom being an artist? Um, I think, I think one of them thinks it's cool and the other one thinks it's annoying. Maybe <laughs> You know, it's, it's kind of an, it's something that ab absorbs you. And so I think sometimes they think it's, it absorbs me too much. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm thinking about it or talking about it too much because I'll talk about it with my husband. And, um, and I do like if we go or when we used to go on vacations, remember those oh, days? Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'd go to a city, I'd want to go to the art museum. And, you know, I don't think kids, at least my kids and don't really want to go to the art museum. Um, I don't think your kids so. are alone. I think when kids are younger, it isn't the, their favorite thing. Yeah. And I have to be honest, it probably wasn't my favorite sure. thing either. And so I think it's a developed taste. Of course, it would be lovely to have, you know, to think I my kids are going to this art museum and they love it. But I just let them do, you know, pursue their own interests. Well, and, I, um, yeah. I think the best example of that, Mia, uh, to where I think I would offer that you're probably having a very positive impact on your on your kids my wife, Aylin, uh, her parents were involved in the um, antique business for a long time. And she was dragged every weekend to these uh, antique shows as a child all the time. And she talks about that, how, you know, at the time she hated it. But now, as an interior designer, she has an appreciation for design, for um these concepts, the timelessness of, of certain pieces of, of furniture and how they fit together. And now she looks back on it 
as being a very valuable experience to her. Yeah, I'm sure they they planted that seed of interest, you right. know, at least subconsciously, and she she's she was absorbing everything. Yeah, and she didn't so, have a choice; she yeah. had to go. So, <laughs> yeah, well, she's a now she knows all these things, and it's her her work. So it's it's that's cool how it worked. I out. want I want to get back. I, uh, you mentioned the glimpses series, and um, mm -hmm. what I've seen of your work, you seem to be one of those artists who does paint in series. There's um, something called Inside World, which you also have done as a series. Um, and you contributed a piece to another series, which wasn't yours, which was Say Their Names, which was the George Floyd piece that you mm -hmm. did. But what is the, for you, what is the attraction of of a series? Do you do you start out with this, with the, idea that you're going to do a series of paintings or does it just become a series because you've gone down that road? Um, I think at least lately I'm trying to consciously um, try to, you know, harness my interests. And if I find myself interested in something to make more than one about that so that it, creates some cohesiveness so when you look at it the you have more than one piece you know and it's it, it's like a way to explore something you're interested in and i think it's more successful if there's just if there's more than one piece D does that make yeah. sense we, with the glimpses it it's ongoing and i um i've had them up for example on the in a grid on the wall. Mm -hmm. And I really like the way they look together because they're, they're, they look different together when they're all up together. And so I want to continue with that, um, with that, with that, the idea of having many of them. These are up on and the, the wall inside, in your home. Well, I don't have them up on the wall now mm -hmm. because I don't have that kind of surface, but I went on an art residency mm -hmm. in, um, in the spring before COVID and I had a really large studio um, and beautiful white walls. And so I put them all up in a grid pattern. And then I could see they, they look different hmm. than when they're all up together and your eye is shifting between them and then how they relate to each other, you know, the different um, figures because they're all figurative. So they're kind of having conversations between each other almost. And you can kind of come up with this narrative about what's going on. So that is the idea behind the glimpses. And then with the inside world, that came out of a collaboration with this photographer in L.A. Her name is Jessica Chappie. And she and I did a um, we got teamed up in a in a collaborative project. We didn't know each other before we worked together. And we got paired up through this organization in L.A. And we did. Um, uh, it was a call and response project. So she would send me a photograph and then I would respond to her photograph with a painting. And then she would get my, I would send her a picture of my painting and then she would send me a photograph in response to that. Oh, I bet that was fun. It was really fun and it was really inspiring and we worked really well together and it was a really short window of time for us to turn around the piece. So it was 24 hours. So she would send me something and I had 24 hours to send her something back. And that was great because you couldn't overthink mm -hmm. it. You know, you kind of had to 
have a response and then just allow yourself to express that response however it came out and we we really liked working together so when the project officially ended through the organization we kept it going for a little bit longer and so that's um that's where the series came out of because she did 12 and i did 12. so that's the inside world and then now i'm working on larger pieces larger adaptations of those little pieces um that's so that um, makes me at one yeah. i'm curious about another you said you had 24 hours to turn something around so i can see you'd have to be hyper focused on on creating something very involved with with a picture do artists uh, do you ever get to the point where you start down a road painting something and it just isn't working and you just so you whitewash the whole thing or oh yeah how does that work yeah i mean i have things i think people paint you know i can't speak for all artists but i'm pretty sure artists paint you know over stuff all the time i mean if you paint in oils like people you know they scrape down their work mm -hmm. they physically scrape down the surface mm -hmm. um People paint with acrylics, so sometimes sand sand down what they painted and then paint over it again. And I have sometimes I've had paintings where you know I'll take pictures of it along the way as I'm painting on it, and then I'll paint over it, and then I go back and I look and I'm like, why did I paint <laughs> over it? It was I liked it much better when it was you know five months ago or something. So. I think, yeah, you, you paint, you paint over stuff all the time and sometimes you mess up and sometimes it's better, you know? Well, um, so, the, you know, the similar idea, I've done it in a lot of my writing where I have written and it just sounds like dreck. It doesn't come close to, to what I think it is. And so I will, I will completely erase. I've done things where I've accidentally deleted uh, work that I thought was better and I think I'll never capture that. And usually, yeah, the second version is better. But for you, what is the catalyst? Like you just, is there something that says this isn't what I'm trying to do or I don't like it? What, what is the catalyst for that step where you decide to stop wherever you are in a painting? And, and, and I don't know, do you deem it a failure or do you do, how do you characterize that? Uh, I guess you're supposed to call it a learning experience, <laughs> right. you know? But um, I think you just, it just doesn't look right or feel right. Or sometimes I think you can overwork something. Mm -hmm. And so it loses some of its freshness. That's always a tricky part, I think, is, is hitting that sweet spot where you've done enough for it to look um, whole but you're, you've not overworked it. So it is a really fine balance. So you have a sense, you have a, a kind of an innate sense whether something is moving in a direction that feels right or it doesn't. And that might be the decision, yeah. you might at that point make a decision, well, I need to, I need to start over or I need to adjust this or. Yeah, and I guess it depends on whether you have, on how, I'm working because if I'm working, so for example, for the, the inside world pieces, the ones I'm making larger versions of, I have the smaller pieces as a ref, you know, reference pieces. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of have a roadmap mm -hmm. for where I'm going, but with other ones, it could be harder because you don't necessarily know where 
you're trying to go, right? You might, if you have to kind of leave yourself open to accidents and things too. Does, so you might not have this clear picture of what you want at the end. Does that scare you? Or do, do you have generally, do you have a picture of where you're going with a painting or is it, is it, is it open-ended? Um, well, I, I try to keep it open-ended, but again, it depends on, on what it is. Um, so for the inside world, I, I do have this, uh, reference with the smaller works and I'm trying to make adaptations of those and if there were things I didn't like in the smaller ones I change it mm -hmm. and if I like them I kind of push it more in that direction but with other paintings I may not know so I've been working on some paintings from um, from old family photos and thinking about memories and things like that mm. and those those are more open-ended and I don't they're not on my website yet um, because they're in progress. <laughs> mm -hmm. And those I, I are more open-ended. And so, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I'm still figuring out where they're going. Those might be a little bit more like your abstract paintings as well, right? The abstract paintings, you probably yeah. didn't have as clear yeah. of a roadmap. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you, one of the things I noticed about you is that you seem you seem to be not only an artist, but you're also involved in that artist industry, the artist world. Uh, you were talking about the collaboration with the photographer, Jessica, but you also seem to, to be um, involved in promoting the work of the other artists. I'm thinking of the Mandali exhibit. Mm -hmm. um, tell us yeah, about that. Yeah. So um, this is the second time I curated um, a show. The first time was two years ago, and I curated it with an artist friend of mine. And and then this time I curated it by myself. And I think, um, you know, it's it's a way for me. I, I, do, I do really like looking at other artists' work, and I like, you know, to learn new things. And so for me, this was a good way to promote artists whose work I liked, connecting with them, um, and 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 making an exhibit from it so it's really it's a really interesting fun task to to pick work figure out the sequence how it's going to look and it was different this year because it was two years ago it was a physical exhibit and this year it was because of covid it was mm -hmm. online but i think that was also a nice opportunity because i could reach out to artists that were really far away you know no one had to ship mm -hmm. their work uh, worry about it getting damaged and picking it up. Um, two years ago, we had uh, a smaller area we pulled from, you know, this southeastern Michigan area. And then this this year, I picked artists that were, um, some of them were from India because it had an Indian uh, theme. Do you feel an obligation so, as yeah. an artist to, to support other artists? Uh I don't know if I would call it an obligation, but I think it's nice to support other artists. And I've, you know, I, I see other people doing it, other people that I admire who are either, um, you know, they either have podcasts or they're creating exhibit opportunities. And so it felt good for me to, to do the same, you know, to have this exhibit opportunity and get to know the artists a little bit more. And I think it is nice, especially now with COVID, when so much of it is online, mm -hmm. um, to 
to build that feeling of community mm -hmm. um, is really important because, you know, this is how we're connecting right now is virtually, right? You and I are talking this way. Um, I'm on Instagram a lot. And I think this is, this is our way of, of connecting with other people right now, virtually. So I, it, it is, it does, it, the, the arts community feels very strong right now. I think that people are, are active, you know, supporting each other. Um, under COVID, you know, speaking under COVID. Yeah. yeah and, you know, speaking up about these things, like when the, you know, when Black Lives Matter was happening, um, you know, donating proceeds to these causes. And so I think it's, it feels good to be part of that. Do you, do you miss uh, public uh, gallery showings? Um, do, doing yeah. that? Yeah. 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 For, for sure. I, um, I actually went to the Toledo Museum on Tuesday during election day, kind of gave myself what I call a mental health day and went, and that was the first time I'd been to a museum or a gallery or anything since, um, since COVID started. So probably, you know, eight months, nine months. So that felt great. It felt very peaceful and, and I do miss seeing, you know, seeing my artist friends and going to openings together, going to Detroit, you know, those things like that. How do yeah. you feel about uh, about? I'm very proud of this area. I've come to to really love um, the Detroit area. But what do you think? How does southeastern Michigan fit as a as a place for artists and and for creatives? Do you think? Uh, um. Well, I, I think that there is, there are a lot of artists. I think there is an art scene per se, probably not as much in Ann Arbor as I would like. I think that I, you know, there are very few galleries now in Ann Arbor. I mean, the Washington street gallery just closed. And so there's a couple of galleries affiliated with the university, but just for general artists, there's not, there aren't many places to show your work. Um, there are more places in Detroit. Um, and so that sometimes is a little disappointing to think that in a town like Ann Arbor, which, you know, it has, you know, it has a lot of culture in terms of music mm -hmm. and theater and things like that, that there's, there aren't as many opportunities, you know, physical exhibit spaces for artists, um, I think people are still a little shy about buying original art mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, so Detroit seems to have more going on, but again, you know, it's, it's hard to tell right now with COVID what's, what's happening. I think everybody's struggling a little Did bit. Did the, the Washington street gallery close as a result of, of mm -hmm. COVID and, and money? You know, I don't know. I, I, I know it happened during that time. So I think, I kind of assumed, but honestly, I'm not sure. That's yeah. got it. The, the economics, I, I totally agree with you. The economics of that, of, of being a gallery owner and supporting artists by showing their work. And then again, to your point about people, ha enough people being around to buy art, to buy the works and really value. Um, I've gotten into a couple of discussions with friends and with others about this whole concept of, attaching value to art when someone had when you you know we see a painting in a coffee shop and it has a 300 dollars price tag and 
I'll go to the same coffee shop and the work is there for weeks and months and no one is buying it. And, and, you know, even more specifically to a gallery and you see a beautiful piece that's, you know, maybe $2,000 is, is it, I don't know that a lot of people really understand the value, um, and therefore would, would pay that, um, yeah. No, I agree. And I think that's, that's a little bit, that can be a little frustrating in a town like Ann Arbor, where I feel there's demographically, there's potential for mm-hmm. artists to, to do well, you know, because you, there are beautiful homes, um, people who, who could be in theory, you know, collectors, um, but maybe spend their money on going to see football, you know, <laughs> going to football games is, is expensive, yeah. you know, getting tickets, season tickets, and then the concessions. And, um, and so I, I do, I do think it would be nice if there was a bit, a bit more of an art market for the artists. Yeah. Is there, is there a way, have you seen other places where the, that is less of an issue in the United States and where there's more, more of a of support of artists in that fashion i imagine la and and obviously new york city yeah i you know i don't know i i i when i go back to new york i look at because i lived there for a long time and when i go back i look at the prices and i just notice that the prices are higher Mm -hmm. you know everything's more expensive in new york i don't know if people are selling and buying more art there Mm -hmm. um i mean it's a much bigger population so that's a good question. I, I don't really know what makes a good, um, a good environment for selling and buying. As a, as a, as, um, a novice in this, maybe you could, could teach me a little bit. How does an artist price work? (laughs) Yeah. So we, there are whole seminars about this, whole workshops about how to price. Yeah. So some people do, um, they pick a square inch method where they figure out their price based on the square inch and then they just, you know, multiply mm-hmm. by the size of the painting and then maybe um, drop the square inch price a little bit as the piece gets bigger, because otherwise it would just right. be really expensive. Um, and then I think other people just do a flat rate. So it depends a little bit. And then it depends on, on the, on what you're using as a material. So watercolors, you generally are less expensive Mm. than an oil painting. Um, But, you know, then it's, you're supposed to keep your prices consistent and have the same price, whether it's hanging in a gallery or whether it's in your Mm -hmm. studio. But galleries can take up to 50% Mm -hmm. of the sales price. And so, you know, you've got to figure out all those things. Is and then if you're sending your work, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to figure out who pays for shipping and so right. on. Is that a difficult yeah. part of, of this? We talked a little bit earlier about the creative side and then the, the other side where you're either uh, stretching a canvas yeah. over a frame or you're hanging it or you're putting it in a container or something. Is pricing a, a difficult area? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. It is. And it's hard to give prices to people that you know. Right. You know, because you feel... I don't know. You feel more self-conscious than if it was somebody that you didn't know. It's mm-hmm. always a little hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is. There are so many um, as a creative, you know, there are so many aspects to the job because you have to make the work and then you have to promote yourself mm-hmm. 
And then you have to, you know, promotion, promotion and marketing, mm -hmm. you can make the work, there's a creation of the work, then there's a promotion and marketing. And then what we call the admin work, right? Like you have to keep track of other galleries that are, um, that have uh, call for art that you can apply to. Do you have emails to answer? Um, and then there's the packaging and there's, um, there's just, and the, the, the photographing of the work is a big thing too. Hmm. So there are all these things and, you know, you have to do it all yourself. So there's a lot of different skill sets that you have to work on, which, you know, sometimes you just want to be in the studio, but right. you can't because you have to do all this other stuff. Right. Well, um, that, yeah, that's part of the challenge. I, I don't know if it was different for, um, you know, uh, Van Gogh and Gauguin and Degas and, uh, you know, that they didn't have to ever worry about all that. Uh, but, but artists today... Yeah, well, I, they didn't have to, I guess, photograph well, their work or right. they didn't have to go on Instagram right. and promote themselves. Right. But but I also do like some of those uh, social media tools, I think, are are really cool. What, what, you know, I do like What's Instagram. the best social media tool for you? Is Instagram? Yeah, I, I like Instagram. Yeah. I use Instagram yeah. a lot. I go on there a lot. I probably waste a lot of time on it too, looking. So it can be a little bit of a, you know, it, it can be a bit of a rabbit yeah. hole. You know, yeah. you go on there and then 30 minutes later, you're still on there and you don't remember what you were looking for. Um, but it is nice. It is a nice tool. Aylin, Aylin yeah. calls me scatter for a reason because <laughs> I will do exactly that. I will get on Instagram or, or Facebook for a specific purpose. And then it's like, oh, a squirrel. And I'll go off on a tangent. You know, yep. I even, I even warned you in our podcast that I like to go on tangents. So, um, yeah, well, I'm the same way. So I, yeah. I completely understand. I am the same. So let me bring, uh, bring us back. I really appreciate that was a, a mm -hmm. fun thing to talk about. Um, in writing, uh, it, you know, it's often said that you, um, that reading a lot can help, uh, writers refine their style. Is there a, is there a translation in the painting world is, is, do you pay attention to a lot, what a lot of other artists are doing, a lot of other painters are doing and, and does that ever inform your work? Do you learn something from that or is it really, you shut yourself off from what maybe artists in your particular medium? I could see how you, you mentioned you like music, so that informs your painting maybe, but does does observing other painters and understanding their work help your work? Yeah, yeah. It I would say, Christian, that it's a fine line because I don't know how I could, you know, go about painting and not look at what anybody else is doing. And I get really inspired by artists I like that I follow on Instagram. Um and you do learn from looking. You might see somebody doing something that you like and you, you've been thinking about trying something and you go, oh, look at how they are doing it, you know. But it's also a fine line because you don't want to compare yourself too much. So there's always that, that uh, mm -hmm. you know, comparison can be a beast mm -hmm. because if you let it take over and you just see what and, – and, you know, of course, on social media, people, post, you know, they post their best selves. And so you're seeing like a very glossy version of – of, of course of people so it can it can be a little tricky but you 
definitely look at what other people are doing and try to learn. But I think also you develop your own style from just doing your own work. So you keep in that, trying to keep that balance between looking, but then basically just doing, 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 and then learning from what you're doing. This is a really interesting point I want to explore a little bit. So you, when you look at a painting, another work, whether it's uh, an historic work from a, from an artist who's no longer around or, or more modern works, are you looking at the, at a painting for technique are you looking at it for as a as a um, just an observer of the painting the way someone like me might look at a painting and see how it makes you feel how do you how do you look at, at works of other artists um probably both ways so it's hard to look for technique when you're looking at photos mm-hmm. on social media mm-hmm. or in a book because of it's course. very flat and you can't really see brush strokes or um, you can't see the surface in the same way, but you can get a sense of color and composition. Um, and then you, I look for subjects too. I mean, if somebody is painting something I'm interested in, I look at how they chose to depict it. Does that yeah. make sense? You know, if it's a, let's say it's a figure with mm-hmm. a dog, I said, oh, let's see how why did they you know why did they put it in that corner and how much of a background is there that those might be some of the things i think so you went when you went to toledo on tuesday and you went to to look at 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 artworks um were you looking to solve a challenge or you said a mental health day so i know that was probably just (laughs) for fun yeah and i i didn't um i went with a friend we we or we met there and I, um, we looked at two artists that were very different from um, what she was. In, she's an artist too, uh, and we looked at work that's very different from what we do. Um, so one is uh, Yayoi Kusama. I don't know if you know her. She, um, she's an artist. She's a Japanese artist, and she makes part of her work is making these installation room. They're called infinity rooms, and there um, you get entry into the room and there's in this case mirrored walls with lights and then water at the bottom and so you're there are reflections everywhere and you feel a little bit like you're suspended Mm. in space or something and so obviously that's something very different from from what I do and I just went to look at that and the other exhibit that we looked at was um, it was a stained glass artist, fe- um, mm-hmm. female stained glass mm-hmm. artist. And so again, very different from what I would do, but you still, when you see, when you're an artist and you go to the museum, it kind of sparks like your creative juices, you know, you're mm-hmm. looking at it and you're like, it kind of makes you want to go and into your studio and, and do stuff. Oh, well then it served its purpose. That's great. So you got inspired. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about this. Um, The something you said earlier sparked this question. You mentioned that sometimes, if it's a gray day, that you might put on a certain type of music, like you said, Leonard Cohen Mm -hmm. or something. How does your your mental or physical state affect your painting? Mm. That's a good question. 
I think, and I don't know if I know the answer to that, because sometimes I surprise myself a little bit, you know, I might be upset about something and, and it's a good painting day. And other times I feel completely relaxed, but I'm not getting to where I want with the painting. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure I figured out how my, my mental state (laughs) affects my work yet. Okay. Did you, did you always know you were going to be a painter? Um, no, no. I mean, I was always interested in, in creative things. You know, I like doodling and painting when I was little. Um, I do remember there was one moment when I read your question, I, it kind of triggered that memory for me where I remembered a kind of a, a breakthrough moment of, of realizing the potential of painting. I am trying, going to try to explain it, but I was really little. I might have been in, you know, kindergarten or preschool or something. And I was painting on this, I don't know if I was painting on the wall or this big surface piece of paper. And I pushed the brush against the surface and then the brush split into, mm-hmm. you know, if you push the mm-hmm. brush, it splits into this V. And so then it made the V shape and I continued to do that. And that was like a really I don't know it was a really important moment I think that I don't think about much but it made me I was like oh this is so how old were you like I was I was probably like five or something you know and I was like wow look at what you can do and it's like and it was I just remember feeling like I was in this little bubble you know of like my own making (laughs) but um so that was that was a moment that I thought it was really cool. And then my mother is an artist, so she always encouraged me to to do creative things and draw and paint. But I wouldn't say I did it a whole lot. And then um, I went to school for art, but I ended up having to work to you know to put myself through school. So I had to switch to a city university, and I worked for a long time as a book designer and a graphic designer. This was in New York City, right? To, yeah. yeah. To, you know, to pay for school and to just make a living and and survive, I guess. So um, I didn't have the luxury of, of just of being an art student. So I think I got a little bit, you know, thrown off my path and then I kind of returned to hmm. my path. So it wasn't, I, it wasn't clear to me that I'd be a painter, but I didn't really have any good backup plans. Mm-hmm. It's not like I wanted to be something else. Either. You said your mom was a painter. Yeah. She's yeah. a painter. And yeah. how, uh, I imagine now that her daughter is also an artist, I bet the conversations are pretty interesting. Do you guys talk about your work and, and yeah, yeah. We will send pictures sometimes. So she's does, uh, she lives in Arizona and she does, you know, Southwestern colorful, abstract landscapes and then purely abstract work so her work's really different from mine but we'll sometimes like we'll talk about certain materials that we're using or she'll send me a picture and she'll say you know what do you think about this composition 
or I'll say, I finished this. What do you think? You know, so we'll give each other a little bit of feedback, but, but we also do very different stuff. So. That's great. I, I imagine that that's really comforting <laughs> to, to talk to your mom. Did you, you ever talk about yeah. challenges that you're having with, with your work? Oh yeah. So, I mean, I could, you know, we'll send something to each other and say like, I don't know, it's not working. Like mm -hmm. what, what's happening there and I don't know what to do or should I flip it over? <laughs> you know, That's great. That's great. Um, so it sounds like you had a pretty, I mean, normal quote unquote, normal childhood, but, but, uh, one also that encouraged creativity. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would not say I had a normal childhood because we moved around a lot. Um, so I lived in many different countries growing up and I think that's pretty unconventional. Mm -hmm. and so I, I don't know if I'd describe it as normal, but I, but besides that, you know, I think I did kid stuff. How, yeah. Are you, does your, do you think your childhood, uh, does it come back to you in your painting? Do you, you mentioned that you, you know, you were thinking of it, you were looking at some photographs and that made me think about, uh, about your childhood in certain moments is how do you think your childhood plays out today in your painting? Um, so I'm very interested in memories and childhood memories in particular. I think that it's partly, you know, as I'm getting older, partly wanting to capture certain moments and also interested in as time goes by you know when your childhood is further behind you you look at these photos and you may not remember what happened and I find the idea of these like ambiguous narratives really interesting hmm. these moments that are sort of undefined you know and as a viewer, you look at them and you're wondering what's going on. I, I find that really interesting. So I've been using some of those um, older photos as sources for paintings. And I have a bunch of photos of, there's a lot of human animal interactions in my family, apparently. Mm -hmm. And I love animals. So I'm thinking about that too. Um, I, I'm sorry, you said, you said ambigu ambiguous narrative yeah yeah oh. so things where you might not it might not be clear what's going on mm -hmm. you know um and i think also i like this idea you know children to children the world is more ma it's kind of magical right it's full of possibility and kids are a little less um rational mm -hmm. and i find I find those things interesting, like a little bit of the, the magical or not, I guess, tying back to that ambiguous narrative of what, what is going on? What could be going on? Is it even possible? I think those are interesting questions. So I, that makes me think that that fits really well into the glimpses series since you're just, it's just a moment in time, a snapshot that it could be, it, and it's a, a quick painting as well. So it, it might not be clearly defined. It's not realism necessarily. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's one thing that interests me about them is because it's just a portion of the person. Um, I've had people say like, Oh, that looks like somebody is doing that. And I might've based my photo on something else, but I really like what they're seeing in mm -hmm. it. So I like, I like if the viewer 
comes up with their own interpretation of what's going on. I think it's an interesting interaction. I, yeah, I think that's actually one of the, the greatest aspects. That's that kind of grace in, in art where you, there's that connection between artist and viewer and it's, it, you're not defining everything for them. I think that's why I, I don't necessarily like realism as much as I like abstract or, or narrative to your, uh, figurative to your, to your style. I, I, allowing the viewer to have their own experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. And I mean, you always, you always, um, you're always feeling something or thinking something when you look at a piece of art, right? It could be, I hate it or mm-hmm. I'm indifferent to it. So it is interesting if that, if there is that, that um, conversation happening, I think. Mm-hmm. Would you, yeah. would you rather have someone hate your artwork rather than be <laughs> indifferent? Um, I probably would prefer somebody loved it, but um I don't know. I I think indifference would just be a killer. Indifference is not good. Indifference means you did not trigger any kind of emotion. So yeah, maybe it's better for someone to hate your work. And you know, it's it's funny because sometimes I found, at least with myself, like artists that I've learned about when I was younger, just I just didn't like their work. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, this many years later, I've grown to like it. Hmm. It's just with something in me that responded at the time that I just didn't like them or didn't like that particular painter. And that I now I'm like, okay, now I like them. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think I just have, have this notion that in, in, I mean, of course, maybe the indifference or the anger says as much about the viewer as it does about, about your painting. But I would, I would, um, yeah, I find that if you don't feel anything, I'm granted not every piece would repre- would would resonate with someone but but uh I would think that would be for for me you know if I were to to write something and I got no reaction uh that would be disappointing I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Um so I'm really curious about this concept of of creativity and maybe this isn't a, a exactly a question that you can answer but you know i have this notion that each of us is creative that there there is a kernel in there that if we feed it it grows and and it there might be specific ways to do but do you have any sense for where your creativity arises from Uh, for example you you mentioned a couple times in your instagram and facebook feeds that there are periods where you aren't painting um, you're out, you know, walking your dog or you're just experiencing life. And do you think that these non-painting periods, um, help you be a better painter when you do go to the canvas? Um, I think, I mean, there are portions during the day where I don't paint. Um, you know, I have like a routine where, I actually like painting in the afternoon. A lot of people are morning mm-hmm. artists or they get their best time in the morning, which is, I'm not that way. I really prefer morning, <laughs> I mean, afternoon and then evenings. But um, but I do walk my dog and that kind of centers me. I love being out in nature and, and going for to get fresh air in the morning. 
the rest of the time when I'm not getting studio time in, it's not always by choice. It can be because I'm kind of bogged down with other things I have to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Like parenting. Right. (laughs) Or, you know, I have to, or sometimes it's just that I have to update my website or I have to do other things for, you know, my, my art related work, but it's not studio work. Um, this week I've been really distracted hmm. from the election. Yeah. So I've not really, yeah. I, I've not even tried to go in the studio. So I've been drawing and I think it can be good to let yourself get a break sometimes mm-hmm. or just, you know, um, just take, just, just try different things mm-hmm. maybe. So I've been drawing with color pencils because somehow that is fulfilling a kind of a need it's medit it feels meditative Mm -hmm. but um but yeah it's it's not always by choice if i'm not going in i would probably like to go in you know six days a week Mm -hmm. for a few hours each day (laughs) if i could choose but it doesn't always happen I, i mean i have heard uh, that there are for creatives that taking some time away is is valuable to kind of do a reset uh, that yeah. maybe you come back to something with with fresher eyes and oh yeah and it could be that way if you're putting you know if you're hitting an obstacle when you're painting sometimes it's good to just put it aside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then come back to it later I've, so that's definitely I, I found that a lot with writing that that uh, it's almost imperative that I set something aside and, and come back to it later yeah with, with that with with writing you can do different you can save drafts though mm-hmm. right so you can always <laughs> you know go back but if you're making something with paint then you could literally like there's no going back you might right. get too far and then right. you're like oh that's it's gone it's gone <laughs> so can you leave a painting you know half finished just right in the middle of it I can. I sometimes I'm in a place where I don't want to leave it. I, I'm not happy to leave it, but I have to, I might have to drive somewhere, mm-hmm. take my kid to soccer practice or something. And so that can be really hard. Cause I could be literally, I, I could be in a place where I really want to continue, but I, I just can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and other times I feel like, okay, this is a good time to stop and I can leave it and then pick it up the next day. So there is there isn't necessarily anything technical that affects your ability to leave a painting half finished that 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 paint will dry and that you won't be able to get the right tint if you have to, you know, maybe it's a brown or a blue or something that you want to match. There, there's not a a, a technical oh. reason not to leave a painting. Well, there could be. I mean, you could be, you know, mixing your color and then, uh, you know like you're, you need to apply it and you have, you, there are certain parts of the process where you might not, it's not a great time to stop, you know, mm-hmm. or, um, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, you just have, when you have to, you have to, right. <laughs> if you're forced right. to stop, you have to stop. But yeah, there, there are times when it's not for right. technical reasons, it's not great. You mentioned earlier in our conversation that uh, you feel like uh, the arts community is actually doing okay under coronavirus, under under COVID. Are there do, is there any silver linings? Is there anything that coronavirus has actually done in a positive way uh, in, in the arts community or for you as an artist? Um, 
Yeah, I th I think so. I think, you know, of course, everybody's affected differently. And for some people, it's been really hard. Um, if you have, you know, if you lose your job, or obviously, if you're sick, I mean, there are so many scenarios where it could be really hard. So I don't want to diminish that, you know, that aspect of, of COVID. But I think, from a personal perspective, I think a silver lining has been that for a while things really quieted down mm -hmm. and so it kind of it, it kind of was like almost you know when you go out and it's snowed and it kind of like it's like this blanketed like quiet and mm -hmm. kind of time like slows down a little bit so i think when we were in lockdown it felt a little bit like that to mm -hmm. me and it also you know it did allow since i wasn't you know, sending work out to shows or applying to shows because, you know, everything was online. It, it, it took a little bit of pressure off to make certain things and kind of like, I, I felt like I can just do more of what I want and not worry so much about where is it going? What is it for? Mm. And just, it's just for me. And then I think it more generally for artists, I think it's been nice to have so many online opportunities so a lot of times if there's a show and it's a physical show and it's in Chicago, you know, we have to apply to the show, mm -hmm. get into the show. Then we have to ship the work to the exhibit and pay to have it shipped back. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of logistical things and expenses. And in this way, there are more opportunities hmm. to participate on into online exhibits. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with workshops. I mean, mm -hmm. there are places where they have workshops that would be conducted in person, and then you'd have to fly there, pay for a hotel, pay for the class. Now you can participate online. That's and so it's it's a bit of an equalizer, you know, mm -hmm. and everybody's in the same boat. So, yeah. How do you, do you think there are any permanent changes in, in your world that as a result of coronavirus, this whole, this, for example, that concept of online classes or or online exhibits do you think that's something that may continue to evolve and may stay yeah i've been wondering about that too i think i i think i, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it stayed in addition to mm -hmm. the in-person mm -hmm. so i don't think they're gonna the online is going to replace mm -hmm. per se um but I think that we'll continue to see more online exhibits and things like that. Mm -hmm. Hmm. It might be in addition to physical exhibits, mm -hmm. but, um, but I think we'll continue to see that, you know, and also as galleries, I mean, if galleries are struggling and closing, um, they might continue online to have to show work. Boy, I think that would just be a real tragedy. I think having places where we can physically go and see art where we can take our kids or we can yeah. go uh, even to your point, I was thinking about what you were saying about the taking a mental health day and going to the Toledo museum to have a physical space to go to where there's, you're just surrounded by art. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I know we, we do need those things. I mean, it felt so nice to be in there. I just felt like, Oh, I missed this. I didn't even realize how much I missed it till I was standing in that. Right. You know, right. in that lobby there so right. yeah um 
so I just wanted to to ask you one more question, Mia, and and that has mm-hmm. to do with with where you see yourself going as an artist. I don't know if you think about this question, if you think about the future, but is there anything that you're not doing now as an artist that you'd like you think you'd like to do? Yeah, I mean, you know, you always want to evolve. I would love to, you know, I, I'm trying to finish the 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 series I'm working on now. And then I'd love to show them somewhere all together. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really nice, but you know, that's even without COVID, that's a, um, that's a whole process, right? Mm-hmm. Applying to a gallery and, and so on. But I would love to do that. And I think also when COVID ends, it would be really nice to go on another residency, maybe mm-hmm. overseas. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed my time at the residency in Virginia last spring. And I would love to do something similar, but overseas. Would you um, go to Sweden, for example? Or? Um, you know, possibly. I've also been thinking that it would be really nice to um, revisit some of the places or the countries where I lived when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Since I've been painting, you know, some things from that time. So I've lived, I lived in France and I lived in Belgium as a kid. And part of me thinks it would be really interesting to work Hmm. on that work while I was there as an adult. Yeah. yeah, And maybe even go back and, and, and take some photos and, and um, yeah, explore that. So, So those are some of the things that, that I would like to do. Yeah. Mia, I want to thank you for, uh, spending so much time, um, with us. Uh, it's really been a fascinating, uh, conversation for me on my end. And how do you feel? We've, we've made it. How do you feel? It was really fun. It was really fun. Thank you, Christian. I mean, time went by really fast. I feel like we could talk for another couple of hours. Yeah. I know there are things that we didn't, didn't cover. Um, tell us where we can find you online. So um, my full name is Mia Risberg, and I, my website with my work is MiaRisberg.com. Although I, you know, I'll post um, only completed works up there, and uh, more my social media account on Instagram is Mia Risberg Art, and I post almost daily there. So it's you, you can get more of a glimpse of what I'm doing on a daily basis on my Instagram. I think. All right. Thank you again for for being my guest. Really enjoyed talking with you and having you here. I hope I hope you did great. And I hope it was a good experience. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really fun. Okay, that's my conversation with Mia. How are you doing? Did we cover enough? Do you feel that you know an artist a little better? I'll include links in the show notes on where you can find Mia as well as to some of the artists and works she mentioned. I am always deeply grateful you stopped by and allowed me into your ears and your head. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me on the interwebs on my website at christianrward.com and on social media platforms. And if you want to spread the love and tell friends about the Interesting Humans podcast, I also would be deeply indebted to you. Intro and outro music is graciously provided by Wild, so please check her out. She is a dynamite musician. Thanks again for listening. 
Until soon, this is Christian Ward.